Welcome to Horsepower to Hyperloops, Kettering University's official podcast, where we serve up a smorgasbord of fascinating people, groundbreaking ideas, and noteworthy advancements in fields as diverse as mobility, healthcare, engineering, and technology. I watch individuals who avoid stairs at all costs and, you know, do them when they have to. But to your point earlier, like if their pain was too high or they couldn't get that parking spot in front of the door, they just wouldn't do things. They wouldn't yeah. go oh, for yeah. hikes with their grandkids. They wouldn't take the dogs for walks. And so what this does is this provides that opportunity for them. And so when I see people that, you know, look at the stairs very dauntingly and they go kind of step to step where they, they bring, they step up with their, their better leg yeah. and they kind of bring the other leg up and they just do that over and over again. I watch them put on a send and just fly up the stairs, step over step, and then look at me like, I think I'm gonna do that again. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim Troop Noonan. And that was Ashley Schwartz, a Kettering grad and mechanical engineer describing the pain-free experience of people who try out the wearable robotic knee brace she is helping to bring to market as a team leader at Rome Robotics in San Francisco. Ashley Schwartz, thank you very much for being with us today on Horsepower to Hyperloops. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am um, I'm very intrigued by your work and before we get into specifically uh, what it is you're doing because I myself would have been a candidate for for this and still could be. I want to focus on you and a little bit about the arc of your career, because I think you were in a mechanical engineer from Kettering who went into rehab and that field, but found your interest not in research or publications, but in applied stuff. Basically, you wanted to help people walk and move, people that were compromised, and you wanted to design things to do that specifically and not just produce papers. Is that correct? And tell me, give me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, I studied mechanical engineering at Kettering, and I did the bioengineering kind of specialty track in my junior and senior year there. And then started my career at the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab in Chicago, uh, working for the Center for Bionic Medicine, which is the premier research lab for prosthetics and orthotics, doing um, primarily upper limb prosthesis design. And the reason I got interested in any of this is because I was primarily looking to remove barriers for people specifically around mobility so that they can enable them to live like the lives that they want to live. And a lot of healthcare spaces tend to have really small patient populations where major corporations and startup companies don't really focus on them because like they're not as flashy as apps and, and consumer electronics where there's a huge, huge market for them. And so I, you see these gaps in technology that really aren't serving people who need, who need technology to help enable and kind of remove barriers for them. And so starting with prosthetics, we worked on uh, a five degree of freedom arm for the 25 percentile female, because everything that was out there in the world was built for the 50th percentile male. And so if you have an upper limb amputation or experience limb loss and you get one of those devices, 
you're not symmetrical. <laughs> your, your, arm, your sound arm on one side is one size, and then you have this prosthesis on the other side, which is made for the 50th percentile male. So if you're someone my size, which I'm five foot three, 130 pounds, it looks kind of silly. And I, people don't want the first thing that you notice about them to be that they have some sort of disability. They want you to notice them as a person, as a whole person. And so this is kind of what really interested me in being in this space. Didn't you also tell me that you had some personal friendships that also helped lead you into that area? Some people that had some compromised health situations? Yeah, I have I have family members who have experienced accidents that led them to becoming quadriplegics. And that space is pretty small. There's not, you know, the number of people in the United States, thankfully, that experience that is not that big, relatively speaking. And so there's not a lot of people out there trying to solve those problems for them. And that's really, really in high school and middle school that really got me on the track of why I wanted to become an engineer is so that I can take those skills and apply them to helping other people. So you were in Chicago, but you wanted to go on into a more applied rather than research air, uh, direction. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And so we were, we were building really, really cool things in the lab and writing papers about them. And then they kind of just get shelved. And it was frustrating to see that there was people out there that could benefit from things like our technologies, but they weren't making it out into the, the marketplace, into the public. And so I moved on from the hospital to Rome Robotics, which is in San Francisco. And we build wearable robotics, focusing primarily on lower limb and knee at the moment. So that's that's really kind of exciting stuff because I'm a guy like a lot of people who had a replaced knee 10 years ago, which I was scared to death to do because I've heard a lot of horror stories, which figures into this about why they can be great. Mine's turned out after a bad start to be very, very good, but you can have bad outcomes with that and they can be very bad. And they're also incredibly painful and incredibly long rehab. And I have another knee that, that, you know, even though this was successful, that was so hard. I'm not sure I want to do it. And so of course the other options are always, you know, anything from rooster comb therapy to, 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 to braces, to all kinds of things, but the typical braces and so on, this is not what you're talking about. You all are into robotics and pneumatics and all kinds of really high tech stuff with your devices for the knee, which actually get into something where I want to go later in this discussion is to see where that could lead, because it seems to me you've blown the doors off the future on this. But sticking with that, tell me a little bit about what Rome is doing for which you're the team leader on this. Yeah. So Rome is building uh, wearable robotics for the lower limb that enable people to kind of go out and live the lives they want to live. And I think when we talk about wearable robotics, it's important to kind of talk about the space a little bit. So there's plenty of companies out there that are building what, you know, the news would call an exoskeleton. And the, the major problem with those is so far, you don't see them out on the street. You don't see someone walking down your sidewalk, walking their dog, wearing an exoskeleton or a wearable robotic or powered orthoses because they're not commercially available. Or if they are, they're tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're not actually accessible. And so it removes that whole, you know, application of the science that I'm interested in. And so at Rome, 
we're using pneumatics to create this wearable orthoses that is accessible to the public. We are launching this product this year and our target market is uh, those suffering the symptoms of osteoarthritis in the knees. And that can present itself as uh, quadricep weakness and the instability and pain. And what we're able to do is use pneumatic power to create an extension moment at the knee, uh, which allows us to offload the quadricep muscles and reduce pain. And simultaneously, because we have this kind of pneumatic actuator about the knee, you can back drive the pneumatics and it creates this flexion damping. So if you imagine like going downstairs and creating stability and going downstairs as you kind of slowly back drive a pneumatic actuator, creating a little bit of support and resistance to your movement and creating more stability and pain reduction as you move. So how does that differ? Explain to me what a standard knee brace, because we've all seen people with these knee braces that, that are massive and what they do versus what this does. Yeah. So standard knee braces are passive. They're just trying to realign your joint space and kind of create a little bit of stability using sometimes like a three point pressure system where you're basically creating a fulcrum at the, the knee lateral or medial to the knee, and then kind of cranking on it in the frontal plane to try to unload the, the knee joint. What our device does is that we have external power involved. We have a pneumatic actuator, which provides a little bit more extension support as you move. And so as you take steps, we have intelligent control around the, the knee and we actually have a, a backpack that you wear with the system and there's sensors on board there as well. And so when you're going upstairs, we apply a little bit more extension moment through the pneumatic system, offloading 25% of your effort and going upstairs. And what that does is it reduces the internal moments on your knee and we've uh, patients finding um, pain relief from reducing those internal moments. So it, it helps me walk up the steps, but it doesn't walk up the steps for me. I still have to uh, initiate the action, but then the pneumatics kick in and do what percent of the work for me? Yeah, exactly. So is there, is there an amount, do they do most of the work or some of the work or what? It, as it turns out, you don't need most of the work done for you to, mm. to find that relief relief in pain and reduction in quadriceps activity where people feel less tired after using the device. So we say 25 to 30% of the effort is reduced by using our device. And that's enough to relieve the pain. Yes. Because I, I, as I was telling you, before I got my knee done, if I was going to the drugstore and I couldn't park in front of the drugstore, I just didn't go because mm -hmm. the pain to walk a block was just more than I could deal with and, and just maximize that by everything you do all day long. Yeah. And can, and, and now this though, you're saying is wearable because it's light, it's really strong, but there's a backpack, which, and it, and it understands what I'm going to do next. I don't have to tell it, you know, to flex and then, and then extend and flex and extend. It knows that. Exactly. Yeah. And so maybe taking a step back and kind of breaking down what that system looks like the the first product that we're putting out in our healthcare space is called Ascend. It's custom fabricated orthosis. Um, so you will go to a prosthetist, orthotist, who will custom fabricate this device to fit to you um, using a positive mold of your leg. So it'll be 
nice, like a glove and suspend really well on your limb. And then that connects to a backpack that the user wears, which has all of our drivetrain and powertrain inside. So that centrally locates all of the mass of the system on your torso, reducing the distal mass of the entire system, which, you know, there's uh, whole piles of paper and research out there in the wearable robotic space that show having that distal mass will increase your meta metabolic burden of wearing the device. And if you have too much, then you're 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 kind of negating the, the the point of wearing the device because you're having to work so hard to even have the device on. Right. So that's you know that's kind of where we shine is having all of the mass at your core on your trunk with the orthosis swing about two pounds. And then the backpack weighs about 10, am I correct? About 10. Which yep. is no more than you have in a backpack when you go hiking and put your lunch in it, your, your picnic and, and a couple of things, right? I mean, you know, yeah. a book and your picnic and you got 10 pounds. So that's, that's pretty cool. I love the idea that a Kettering grad goes all the way into rehab and robotics and pneumatics and so on and so forth. And yet you're still doing drivetrains and powertrains. I hear <laughs> you just can't get too far from it. <laughs> we are talking with Ashley Schwartz, team leader at Rome Robotics, where they develop wearable robotic knee orthotics. So it seems to me this is not a simple device. Robotics, pneumatics are very complex. How, how difficult is this to come up with this technology? What are, the, what are the challenges you face? I think it all goes back to your intended user group, dependent, and that really governs the, how challenging this problem can be. And I think if you look at the space of wearable robotics, you can see the, the various ways different companies and research groups are trying to attack this problem. But it really comes down to being able to deliver the power density that you require to move the human body or to support the human body in the most efficient way possible and the most lightweight way possible, because you don't want to burden the human metabolic system with the system that's already trying to be there to help them. And so that's where robot, uh, Rome really shines in our pneumatic system is that we are able to centrally locate all of our mass in our backpack and then use lightweight actuation pneumatics on the limb to to drive our power into the, the limb and so that's kind of actually where you know i think we shine as well is that if you look at other systems they use complex drivetrains and gearboxes and very rigid non-compliant systems which then require your control systems to be much much more uh accurate and um you don't want to make you make sure that you don't get in the way of the user as much because there's no compliance built into the system. So with our pneumatic system, we removed the needs for those complex gearboxes and drivetrains by having this compliant pneumatic actuator. And so it's 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 a, the old problem of strength that is light and powerful, but but you know. So if I'm wearing one of these. I've got the 10 pound backpack. Everybody knows what a 10 pound backpack is like, but my mm -hmm. leg is two and a half pounds. It's not that big. A, uh, it's not that in, and I wear it outside my, my clothes. Right. Yeah. So it's not, it's not that big, heavy, bulky, a thing. Some of the standard braces seem to me much bigger and bulkier than that. Right. Yeah, they can be absolutely. And 
especially because our, our first health product is custom fabricated, it will really, really fit to your limb first better than some of those off the shelf systems will. Now you started, and I was impressed with this, with Ascend or the prototype of Ascend, you did not start with little old people who were tottering around. You started on the ski slopes, right? With, Tell me about that. Yeah, so Rome's first product was called Elevate, uh, and it was a bilateral device for skiing. I should clarify, Ascend is for unilateral use at the moment. Unilateral um, being? Single leg. Okay. Single-sided. Mm-hmm. Where our ski device, Elevate, was is bilateral, so you have one on each leg. But yeah, uh, and that was a decision that kind of, uh, from a business standpoint, you know, putting a medical device out in the world is cumbersome. And, and intentionally, you want to make sure it's safe and it goes through all the rigor, uh, but it can take some time. And time in startup land is very valuable. Uh, so we started with skiing. And so if you were on the ski slopes in Tahoe, the 2018 or 2019 ski season, you saw us. And we were out there, uh, again, powering people's quadriceps so they could ski longer and harder and also creating that pain reduction. So a lot of people who had been skiing for years and years and years, and now, you know, their knees kind of were given up on them and they were only able to be out there for an hour, maybe two, were skiing the entire day without pain medication because our device was able to support them throughout the entire day of ski. Right now, you're going into the general population with Ascend and I've heard a couple of, 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 of testimonials of people. Tell me about their experience. What are they saying about their day-to-day life wearing this? I saw one, there was a police officer or an ex-police officer. I saw a more, a mother. Tell me a little bit about the experience of people using this. Yeah, it, it all goes back to removing barriers for people. And so a lot of the individuals that come to us uh, looking for solutions in Ascend have knee pain or quadriceps weakness, joint instability that's preventing them from living the life that they really want to live. And that can look different for everybody. And, you know, for some of our, our users, that's just being able to take their dogs for a walk or, you know, run errands with their kids and make it through the entire store without getting tired. And for others, that's, you know, being able to run stairs a little bit more, get, get their fitness level back up. And so we've had users that CSN unlocking doors for them and kind of creating gateways to the the life that they want to live. And so I've had users come in for our demo space. We have a demo space in in San Francisco. It's called our test drive space. And if you're interested, you can sign up and come. And if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, you can come sign up and and test out the device. There you go with the automotive analogies again. They're test driving. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, you can take the system for a test drive. And I've sit in on some of those appointments and I I watch individuals who avoid stairs at all costs and, you know, do them when they have to. But to your point earlier, like if their pain was too high or they couldn't get that parking spot in front of the door, they just wouldn't do things. They wouldn't yeah. go oh, for yeah. hikes with their grandkids. They wouldn't take the dogs for walks. And so what this does is this provides that opportunity for them. And so when I see people that, you know, look at the stairs very dauntingly and they go kind of step to step where they, they bring, they step up with their, their better leg. Yep. And they kind of bring the other leg up and they just do that over and over again. I watch them put on a send and just fly up the stairs, step over step. And then look at me like, I think I'm going to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I can see that because 
because, you know, they say the time comes to do something finally when it interrupts your day-to-day life of doing things. And I, I had a son who was 12 or 13 at the time I did this. And the doctor said, well, you know, it'll wear out maybe in 20 years and you'll be 80. And you don't want to, I said, I got a 12 year old kid who wants to throw the baseball now. And I can't do it. I want it now. And this would have been a logical opportunity, but let's go beyond that, that group, the people with the osteoarthritis, there are quadriplegics. There are people, does this hold some promise for people who can't walk at all to be able to walk? The technology that Rome has as it currently stands, no. I think that there would be some innovating we'd have to do and some changes to our system that we'd have to do to be able to support those types of users. And to be clear, that's a hard problem. Not making excuses for Rome, but just in general, the, the current status of the space. And you look at like the exobionics of the world and the other the other competitors out there that are working on this problem. It's really tough. To well, you've got you've got to have something firing. To, to generate the whole start of the process, right? To work with the machine. And if nothing's firing, then it's a hard harder problem, right? Yeah. So the way our system works is that we're looking for your movement to, to react to you and to follow along, which we call intent recognition, so mm-hmm. to control the system. If you have somebody who's, uh, particular people that have a hard time just even standing up. So, there, you know, there's kind of a spectrum to people with, with paralysis and and. Some of them can stand, but they don't have the volition to move forward. And some of them have a really hard time even just standing and balancing. The system has to holistically operate on its own and requires, it does require user input at that point because the user's got to be able to say, hey, I don't want to do that in some degree. And so the stakes, the stakes are way higher when you start to get into things like that. And it just becomes a much more complex and difficult problem. But I think we're on the road to, to getting there. I, I, just looking at the the field and where people are progressing, we're definitely approaching being able to have consumer wearables that do support those users. And and of course, you could do the same thing for arms, upper limbs, uh, at some point if you want to, right? I mean that that you've this opens the door to that. Yeah, absolutely. We have some prototypes for upper limb and there's a couple uh, competitors out there in the, the field, Myomo probably being the biggest, that are working on upper limb wearables as well. There is another division of your company that's that that's doing performance enhancement for athletes, firefighters, whatever, that's not just about helping people who are in pain, but improving run faster and jump higher. Am I not, am I not correct on that, that, that that's a, that's an area that you're looking into? Yeah, absolutely. We have another division in our company that we call the performance team and their primary market right now is looking at supporting first responders and those in our military uh, improve performance, be able to run faster and run longer. And how how much faster? I mean, are we, are we talking like somebody can run the 103 seconds now? Or, <laughs> I mean, what are the limits to this? Give me a little bit about what they're thinking about in those terms. Yeah. So one of the, I think, most compelling demos that we've ever done is we had a, a veteran carry one of our <laughs> one of our engineers uh, over his shoulders up a huge flight of stairs that we have out on the coast here that's like 105 steps. 
and then do squats until he couldn't anymore with it with our engineer on his back so we had him start by doing it without our our system on uh to kind of you know penalize our system by having him do it second time more tired with our system and i think he made it up to the flight top flight of stairs and did one squat and then a half before he had to put our engineer down the second time he made it up the stairs i believe faster and he did i think about five to eight reps of squats before he had to put our engineer down and this is uh, the second time when he's presumably much more tired yeah and that's on his second time doing this and so it's things like that where you're able to you know clear dangerous areas faster help other people get out of dangerous situations and just maintain your your muscle endurance longer did you give him the 130 pound engineer that never been out of the lab and a little skinny person or <laughs> did you give him the no. ex tackle from the 49ers who weighed 280 we gave him a, <laughs> an ex rugby player <laughs> oh wow you really you weren't messing around all right all right that's great do they have some specific objectives that they want to have for that they just be able to do more in those very active professions I think it's getting in and out of danger as quickly as possible. So okay. being able to do that with, with more speed and more stamina is really when we talk to a, our user groups there, like our firefighters and those in the military branches, that's that's their primary interest is getting out of danger as quickly as possible. So if it reduces pain for somebody like me who has was walking very painfully, it also reduces exhaustion for somebody else who's perfectly healthy, but they're not having to use their own 100% of their own energy each with each step. Exactly. Wow. That's mm-hmm. really, really interesting. Is that something that you're building a product for right now or two or three years from now? I think that's probably two to three years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in their discovery phase for their products at the moment. Okay. Well, now I've, I've, I've got to ask you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to go all sci-fi on you here and ask you if, you know, Stark Enterprises, which was the company for Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. I mean, I I see that, you know, looking way out, you build, it seems like you could go a lot of places with it. You could build an entire human system out of this. Now, obviously you're talking about limbs, but what's the logical extension of this 5, 10, 15, 20 years out? I mean, is it just limbs or is it, are there other, uh, other applications for this? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think you can, you can foresee, like, I think there's the, a future for a full, a full body suit that, that increases performance and continues to uh, remove barriers for those who are looking to, you know, live a more fulfilling life or to get back to things that they may have stopped doing for one reason or another. I, I think that is definitely on the horizon in the next five to 10 years. Ashley Swartz, I I certainly thank you very much for your time and for talking to us about this. It's certainly interesting. And I commend you on your desire to be dramatically and materially helping people in what they're doing. I imagine it's very satisfying for you. It's very fulfilling. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Well, thank you again. And We'll check in with you and see uh, where things are in another year. Thanks so much. Thank you. Join us again to hear Kettering University's podcast. 
Horsepower to Hyperloops. Available from wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.